I want to start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, this is Isaiah the prophet that wrote this. And uh, we are very familiar with many of his words that he wrote throughout the book of Isaiah. But I want you to know that he also said that about himself. I am a man of unclean lips and... I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He said all this when he was seeing a vision of the Lord sitting high on his throne and angels doing what we were doing, singing and crying, holy is the Lord. And he saw all of that and he said, woe is me. I, poor me, I'm nothing. This is holy. What I see taking place is holy, and I am not holy. I'm a man of unclean lips. Verse 6 says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, that's one of the angels, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Verse 7, And he laid it upon my mouth. <laughs> so I, 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 got, I got the sense that the angel must have heard what Isaiah said about himself. Oh, uh, this, what's taking place here is beyond me. This is, this is some awesome stuff, holy, holy stuff that's taking place. And, and I am just a nobody. I'm worse than a nobody. I'm an unclean nobody. The angel says, don't talk like that. He put that hot coal from the altar right on his lips. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. I want you to, I want you to realize that he didn't say, don't talk like that, because no, you're not. He, talked, he said, don't talk like that, because yes, you were, but now you're not. Amen. This has cleansed you, purged you, taken away that sin and that iniquity. I want you to look at the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Verse 23, Psalms 139, 23. Search me, O God. Everybody say, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Verse 24, and see. If there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Before I talk further, I'd like us to pray and make this our prayer, if you would. What David said in verses 23 and 24 there. Lord, I want you to search me today. God, I make myself open for you to search, God. Try me, inspect me, Lord Jesus. Look Throughout my being, Lord God, know my heart, my mind, my thoughts, God. Know all that there is to know about me and search me and try me, God. If you find a wicked way, God, I want you to take it out. I want you to purge it, Lord Jesus. God, I am a man of unclean lips. I'm just a human, Lord. God, but I want you to search me and I want you to do your work in me and in my life, oh God. God, I don't have to remain unholy. I don't have to remain impure, God. 
or any wicked way in me doesn't have to remain, God. I want you to lead me in the way everlasting in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy. Chapter 6, verse 6. The Lord showed me this scripture uh, recently, and I'm not going to dwell around the context of it, but it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And just so you know, around the context, he's saying, there are people who think that you can become a Christian to get gain, gainfulness, which is increase, whatever that might mean to you. More money, more friends, more status, better stuff, whatever it is. There are people that tend to think Christianity is the way uh, of gain, and he says to Timothy here, it's not. Godliness is. But he says godliness with contentment is great gain. When I thought about this scripture, I've heard it said many times and talked about and read. And usually when I think of this scripture, I think it's, it, it's needed to address a person or a situation that you don't see enough contentment there. It's almost like, well, hang on, you're asking for too much, or you're expecting too much, or you need God to change something, you want God to do something, and you just need to know that you need to be content. And that's kind of the, t the, the, the tone that this scripture usually takes in my mind when I think of it. And... Yes, it's true that we all should live in a place of contentment, meaning I'm, I'm good, I'm satisfied, I'm, I don't need other things, but I wonder how frequently what's really needed in this passage is not the contentment, but the godliness Godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and you, you say that verse and maybe you hear that verse and you think, brother or sister, just stop asking for stuff. You've got all that you need right now. That's, consider that all great gain because you're doing pretty well. Okay, I guess if you say so, pastor, I'll try to stop asking for stuff. Well, you don't even get to that part of contentment without godliness. It's a combination here. Godliness with contentment. Oh, I, I can't be bringing people off the street that don't know the Bible, don't know Jesus, never lived a Christian life and say, just be content and, and, and you're good. No, first, be godly. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's kind of like a hidden Easter egg, if you will, inside of godliness is contentment. Paul, Paul is writing this to Timothy and saying, there's people all around that have the wrong idea, wrong impression about Christianity and what it's supposed to lead to, what it's supposed to produce. What it is, my friend, is godliness and if you are godly you are good what else do you want if you're godly what else do you need if you're godly oh it's the cry of this of this world that godliness is not enough I want godliness and I want you fill in the blank I need some of this too. I, I, love, I love godliness and I love Christianity and my walk with the Lord, but it's also great to have XYZ. 
I believe the Lord wants to talk to us a little bit about godliness. And uh, it'll be an interesting route that he takes to talk about it. Remember what David said in Psalm 139. Search me, know my thoughts, try me, and see if there's any wicked way in me. If there's any wicked way in me, I'm not godly in that area. I need godliness in that area of my life. I want you to look at Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. This guy, same David, same writer. This is the very first thing that he wrote in his book of Psalms that's recorded here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the very first thing David wrote in the book of Psalms. You can be blessed, but you cannot be blessed if you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. If you're taking advice from the ungodly. If you are... What's the word that the... What's the word that the... Uh, commandment use it coveting if you are coveting something of the ungodly you will not be blessed to walk in the counsel of someone means to live as they live or as at least as they tell you to live so it's either it can be spoken or it can be unspoken but it's counsel it's advice it's a way to live. It's a, a method, if you will. There is a method of the ungodly. There's a counsel. There's an advice, a way of the ungodly. And it really is, do whatever you want. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Don't worry about what anybody else says. You're in charge of you, and so you do what you want to do. That's the counsel of the ungodly. David says, you're not going to do that and be blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, that doesn't mean like blocking them in their way. No, it means in the same way. In the same way as sinners. Like a sinner. Stands like a sinner. Blessed is the man that does not stand in the way that sinners stand. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, we see three levels or degrees in this verse. And, and, and in two different ways. First, in the, in the action or in the posture of the man. Walking, standing, sitting. Right? Walking, walketh, standeth, sitteth. That's King James. So the man that's walking, standing, or sitting in any posture that matches the ungodly, the sinner, or the scornful, that man is not going to be blessed but if he finds a way to walk not as they walk or to stand not as they stand or to sit not as they sit, he will be blessed. If I can, I see not only the degrees of the posture, but I see the degrees of the ungodliness or the wickedness or the sin or the evil or whatever you would call it. And it's almost like it's working backwards. From scornful to sinner to ungodly. You can go to any Christian and they'll tell you, I know I'm not supposed to be influenced by ungodly, wicked, evil things. And we all know that, right? Not supposed to have that in my life. Not supposed to take advice from that. Not supposed to be like that. Don't act like that. We start with this with children. We don't act that way. We don't talk that way. Right? 
That's evil, wicked, ungodly. But you can get down into the peeling the layers off of this, and you get to scornful, and, well, sure, we're not supposed to be scornful, but it's not like it's ungodly, right? <laughs> i got to tell you a little bit. There, if you read through Proverbs, you see a lot of messages about the scornful. Let me tell you just a little bit. So it means, basically, it means to mock or to talk arrogantly about yourself or others. You're mocking others or you're talking arrogantly about yourself. That's what it means to be scornful. Proverbs 9, verse 8. The scorners get hateful when they're corrected. That's the Caleb version of the verse. But I want you to see what Proverbs 9 and 8. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Reprove means to correct. Uh, you're doing something wrong. Let me tell you what, how to do it right. And Solomon, in his wisdom, wrote that if you do that to a scornful person, he will hate you. Brother Hart, I heard the way that you were talking about so-and-so, and I just want you to know it's probably not a good idea to be using that kind of language or saying that, that thing about somebody else. Well... If he's a scorner, I just brought hate on me because he's a scorner. The word says, reprove not a scorner. The scorner is a scorner. He will do what scorners do. Now, the, the instruction is to the person that's doing the reproof. Don't waste your time trying to reprove a scorner. Lest he hate thee. This is what I said. This is why I said it. Scorners get hateful when they're corrected. Now go back to what David said at Psalm 1.1. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. If you know somebody and you think, oh, they get hateful when such and such happens or this conversation takes place or this topic is brought up or you talk to them like this, they get hateful. Well, if that's not you, thank God that that's not you. If it is you, pray like we prayed at the beginning, take out the wicked way in me. But if you know that person, don't sit where they sit. And I'm not just talking about at the table with them or on the couch with them. I'm talking about in the life that they sit in. The life that they're living is not the life you need to be living. Proverbs 22, verse 10. A little bit more about scorners. Cast out the scorner, and some things will leave. If you get a scornful person out of a situation, look what goes with them. Contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. So, scorner, it, it, you get rid of them and that stuff goes too. So if they're in the picture, that's the stuff that's in the picture. Scorners bring contention, which is heated arguments and disagreements. Heated disagreements, not like a little, a little thing, but a heated disagreement. That's contention. Strife. There's a term, a word that is synonymous with strife. That's judgment. A judgment attitude or way of speaking leaves when the scorner leaves. Comes in when the scorner comes in. Bitter disagreements over fundamental issues. And reproach, which is dishonoring or disgracing. Whatever areas of my life I'm in charge of, or I should say responsible for, are areas that I need to make sure this is not existing. 
I'm, 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 the Lord's just talking to us about how to live godly. If I want to live godly, I don't need to allow the scorner influence in my life. I definitely don't need to be the scorner. I think that goes without being said, but it's still worth saying. I cannot be going around talking in a disgraceful manner about others or myself or God or anything. And if I am, I'm a scorner. That's what scorning means or dishonoring. Uh, that's the... I didn't plan to start with Isaiah. I'm thanking the Lord that he gave me that scripture before we started because I can at least equate myself to one of the greatest prophets there ever was. Um, you see what I'm saying? He started by saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. I've heard some of the things that come out of my own mouth. I know some of the thoughts that have gone through my own mind. I don't need that uncleanness. I need the Lord to purify it. And once he does... I am now responsible for not letting it continue. I don't want to keep talking that way. So I, that should be the old me. So scorners, it starts. So what David is saying about being godly or being blessed starts with not having the scorner in your life around your life, influencing you. And then he says, again in Psalm 1-1, standeth in the way of sinners. You're going to go from the progression of a scornful person to a sinful person. We could talk all day about sin. I'm not going to do that today. But basically it means someone who is found guilty of committing the wrong or an offender. That's the sinful. I heard a preacher say it this way recently. I think it makes good sense. The scripture says all have sinned, past tense, and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? All have sinned. That is not the same thing as saying all are sinners. I have to check myself sometimes. I, I, I just tend to maybe underthink something and just blanket statement, well, we are all sinners. Nope. We all have sinned. But if I'm living godly, I'm not a sinner. It's one or the other. Do you understand that? You're either godly or you're a sinner. You can't be both. We are not all sinners. We were all created with a sinful human nature. You're not a sinner until you give in to that nature, especially habitually. The more the habit continues, the more sinful the sin abounds. You understand? If I did something wrong one time and I repented of it and the Lord forgave me of it, I'm not still a sinner because of that sin that I did. I'm a forgiven person. That's the way that his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his blood, that's the way it all works. But if I did it, and yeah, I admit that I did it. It was wrong, I know. But you know what? I'm going to do it again. Yep. I did again. I'm going to keep doing it. What am I? I'm a sinner. You see the difference? We, we can, I would say we condemn ourselves, and it does happen that we do condemn ourselves, but we also have an accuser who does not speak the truth, but does tell you you're a sinner. The condemner the accuser of the brethren doesn't want you to believe that you did sin and then you were forgiven and now you're not a sinner. No, he would rather keep you living with the mindset of, I was a sinner, I guess I'll always be a sinner. That's not godly. God doesn't want you to think that way about yourself. 
So, blessed is the man who sitteth not in the seat of the scornful, standeth in the way of the sinner, or walks after the counsel of the ungodly. You get to enough sinful sinning, and you become ungodly and wicked in nature. That God nature that he wants to put on you gets further and further away from your identity of who you are or could be. And that's when I say it's, not, it's no longer a small thing, no longer just a sinner that needs God. It is wicked and it is evil in nature. And it is now against God. Most of us, I would dare say all of us, that desire to be Christian, desire to be like Christ, want Him in our lives, even when we look at failures and things that we've done wrong, we, we just blanket ourselves as evil wrongdoers. Until I finally get good enough, I'm not going to be like this anymore. You're not that. Hear me. You're not that. That's the voice of the adversary. That's the voice of the accuser. You're wicked. You're evil. You've got all this evil stuff in your life that you did or that you thought or that you still think about doing something. So you must just be evil and wicked. No. I'm telling you today, there's a line drawn, and you are not that when you desire to be godly. You're still a human, and you still got to let him work and help you pull in the godly direction, and he will. But the enemy wants you to sit in the seat and say, this is me. This is who I must be. Ungodly. And uh, once ungodliness is in the picture a lot of things go wrong can go wrong potentially go wrong this this is the kind of thing that I wrestle with not just for myself but as a father as a husband as a pastor I'm not out there trust me I'm not out here wondering oh I hope they can make it to church today I want you to, but I'm actually out here praying against evil and wicked influence that would influence a person in my family or in my congregation, the Lord's congregation. Do you understand the difference? I can't sit there and hold your hand and, oh, let's dodge that little sin. Okay, let's move over here a little bit and get out of the way of that one. Okay, let's, let's try to be good on this. Let's do that. No, Sorry. You get to a point where your walk with God does that. But what I can do, what my responsibility to do is, hey, look out, that's evil. That's wicked. Stay away from it. That is ungodly. It's ungodly. Don't do it. (laughs) But then, yeah, I'm not going there. Our nature is, okay, how close to the ungodly can I get? That's a different topic. I'm just trying to call out the ungodly today. Let the Lord help us identify what it might be. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. It might sound like I'm... I'm changing topics or or changing subjects. I'm really not. I wanted you to see that progression too ungodly for all that we're about to talk about next. There is so much in the Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that talks about false prophets. Okay? False prophets. False teachers. Things that say things that are not true, but they're saying them about God as if they are true, or about truth as if they are true. You get from scornful to sinner to wicked and evil and against God, and now the falsehood against God is allowed to run rampant. 
This is Peter talking about how they got where they are in their ministry. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were, what is that next word? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. I saw it for myself. I'm not following some made-up story that somebody convinced me of. He says that they're cunningly devised fables. I saw this with my own eyes. For he received from God, verse 17, he being Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter is reminding them that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, something happened that never happened to anybody else. There was a voice from God the Father that said, this is my beloved Son. I heard it with these ears. I saw it with these eyes. I was there. And, and the voices are multiplied by all these disciples and followers over and over and over. Hear, hear me. Hear me. This is why, this is why we call ourselves apostolic. We hear that term, we think, I don't know what that, uh, what does it mean? Skirts? Dresses? What does that mean? Tongue talking? What does it mean? Apostolic. It means apostle-like. What the apostles saw, they told, and we believe. What the apostles heard, they shared, and we believe. How they lived, we know and learn and believe and want to be the same. That's why I am an apostolic. Does that make sense? Eyewitnesses. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto unto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the, lay down, until the day down, dawn, and the day star arise in your heart. Verse 20. Knowing this first. Everybody say first. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You don't hear one thing and I hear something else. I didn't see one thing and John saw something else. And Matthew saw something else and heard something else. And Luke was there, but he wrote it differently. No, it's not of private interpretation. Next verse. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter is drawing the attention to the original voice of God speaking the word of God. That's how we got here. That's why we share what we share. Okay? In order for something to be false or fake or phony, there has to be original. Paul, Peter is saying, this is the original. He, I was there. Eyewitness. I saw it. That was the original. I know we're taking a lot of time here to talk about the fact that there are false prophets. But this is the proof. This is the re recount of the original. Now, if you will, look at chapter 2, verse 1. The prophecy didn't come in by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But, chapter 2, verse 1 starts with that word. But, there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall 
be false teachers among you. This is not a new thing. The false prophets were there even before Jesus, the man, was on the scene. All the way back in the Old Testament, they would stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, and it's not true. That's not what the Lord said. That was happening a long time back. Okay? And he says, Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily, that means privately, this is the way the false teachers work, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Why do you have to be warned about this? Why? Why do you have to be warned about this? Why can't we just all say we're apostolic, praise God, let's go home and eat? We all believe the same thing. No worries, no problems. We, all, we got it, elder, we're good, let us go, please. Because of verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. Whose ways? The ways of the false prophet and the ways of the false teacher. If you look at the Greek, I, I, I love it when the Greek language makes more sense than the English language. It doesn't happen often, but the, the word translated false prophet is pseudo-prophet. And the word translated false teacher is pseudo-teacher. I inserted the English teacher, but you get it. It's pseudo. Pseudo meaning fake. False. Not the original. Many, how does this happen? How do many follow the fake one? How do many listen to the evil? By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Because they mock the truth. That's what that means. They mock the truth. And we're going all the way back again to Psalm 1-1 about sitting in the seat of the scornful. That's why David said it's a, it's a progression, but don't even start here. Don't let the scornful person in your life. Don't let the scornful mocking voice have influence in your life. Because it might sound like a small thing. It might sound like an insignificant little joke. But the way that that works is the same way that the false prophet works. And where does that come from? The evil one. It's the way that he works. Hath God said... Hath God said, he really did, yes. Hath God said, yes, he did. I don't got anything better to do. Hath God said, I can do this all day. Hath God said, yes, he did. If you are really the son of God, throw yourself down off these mountains. Hath God said, if you're really, this is just the way that he works, okay? I just gave you a, a, a big spoiler to jump to the end of this lesson. The false teacher, the false prophet, the wicked, the evil that is at work is from the source of Satan. In whom there is no truth. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. Verse 3. And through covetousness 
Shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not? Go down to verse 17. How do I identify said prophet? How do I identify the voice? How do I know when it's really the, the truth of God speaking versus a lie, a fake? How do I know? Well, this is a little indicator. These are, he's still talking about false prophets. These are wells without water. Well, that ought to be really easy to identify then, right? I see a well. Does it have water in it? Yes or no? Yes, that does have water in it. Okay, that's good. No, it doesn't have water in it. Okay, that's bad. False. That's, that's the wrong one. You know that, the, that throughout Scripture, water represents the Spirit of God. These wells don't have the Spirit of God in them. These vessels, the vessel of the false prophet or the false teacher or the ungodly does not have the Spirit of God in it. The way, hear me please, I'm trying to close and finish this as fast as I can. The way that you know what spirit is in that one is by having the spirit in this one. If you do not, you will not know. You are open to deception. Why? Because you, my friend, are a well without water. If you're a vessel without the Holy Spirit filling you, you are just a vessel. I don't mean to sound rude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying the Spirit of God is what helps a person. Identify. We call this discernment of his spirit. That's the easiest way. Now, uh, I know somebody out there wants all the other ways. How else can I tell that they're false? Uh, there's a lot of ways, but I don't think we have to go through them. You get the original, you don't need to know. This is... This is There's a word that the Old Testament used called sorcery. New Testament uses it too. What's the thing about sorcery? The thing about sorcery is it takes an element that is foreign to a human spirit. It takes the element of spirit, which is foreign to a human, and uses its spirit nature to override a human nature, my intellect, my ability to know, my ability to understand or perceive. Why? Because spirit is greater than flesh. This is a Bible principle. All spirit is greater than all flesh in the sense that the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak so I've got to have the spirit of God if I want to have the strongest spirit the strongest element the strongest source otherwise I am susceptible to everything else higher than me on the on the organizational chart let's just pray where you're at right now Lord God, I need your spirit operating in me. I need your spirit operating through me. 
God, I am nothing on my own. I don't have power or ability, God. I don't have any kind of divine power on my own, Jesus. This is why I have to have your spirit. God, this is why I have to be filled with your spirit. God, I want my ears to only hear the truth. I want my eyes to only see the truth. God, I want my spirit to perceive the truth and know that this is you. Your spirit bears witness with my spirit, God. Why don't you stand? Come on, I feel the spirit of the Lord here and he's wanting to fill every vessel here. He is wanting to fill every vessel here with his spirit, with the original Come on, I'm not asking for some any emotional show. I'm not asking for anything outside of anything that's comfortable to you other than letting the Spirit of the God fill you, dwell in you. You got to lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice and talk to the Lord. Lift your voice and talk to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need your Spirit. I need your spirit, Jesus. I can't make it on my own, God. In the name of Jesus, come on, continue talking to the Lord. His spirit's here to minister. His spirit is here to fill you. His spirit is here to minister to you today, to make up the need, to make up the difference, that which is lacking. In the name of Jesus, I surrender myself to you, God. I surrender myself to you, Jesus. Come on, while you're praying, if you need to, go back and pray what we prayed at the beginning. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God. Try me, O God. Know my thoughts. Know my heart, God. You are the one that knows. You are the one that knows and sees all, Jesus. Search me and try me, God. Lord, see if there be any wickedness in me. See if there be any ungodliness in me, Jesus. I don't want ungodliness to prevail in my life. God, I want the spirit of truth to prevail in my life. In the name of Jesus. Come on, continue praying. Continue praying. Lift your voice to the Lord. Jesus, I need you. I can't make it on my own, God. I need the spirit of truth in my life. God, I need the spirit of truth in my life to lead me. I need it to guide my path, God. Come on, don't be worried about the spirit of error. Don't be worried about what a false prophet might say or might do. Put your focus on the Lord. Put your mind on the Lord. Come on, let Him fill you. Let Him fill you with His Spirit, filled to overflowing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. altar. I'm going to ask you to find a place to pray. Oh, come on, we need to get before the Lord today. Get before the Lord today and pray this. Lord, your spirit in me. Your spirit in me, oh God. In the name of Jesus.
This altar is still open. There's nothing magical up here, but you know, sometimes stepping out, coming to the front, is an expression of faith. If there's anything that you feel like has been holding you back, and you know that it is something that keeps you from getting to the place of godliness that we've talked about today. I'm, I'm just encouraging you, find a place to pray. You can come to the front, you can step out, to, out of your seat, or you can pray at your seat. But I know and I feel it in my spirit, so many people allow condemnation to keep them in a place of indecision and in a place really of being frozen God wants to help us pass that today God wants to help us get past that today the question isn't up to God and it's not up to me it's up to each person am I going to move past it am I going to let, let God help me move past it through the ministry that he's wanting to share in my life I want us to continue to pray. I want you to speak to God from a place of honesty. Come on, we don't have to know what it is. We don't have to even try to identify it. We just have to know, Lord, I need your spirit. I need the work of your spirit in my life. Come on, would you just continue to pray and lift your voice to the Lord? This altar's open. I'm, I'm asking you to be honest with the Lord today. Jesus, you know me. God, you know me and my life. You know all the influences, God, that I've opened myself up to. You know all the things, God, that I've seen and heard and experienced. Just like Isaiah said, Lord. Come on, I believe it's truth expressed in the Word of God to say, Lord, woe is me. And I can't do what you need me to do on my own, God. I need the supernatural power and the ability of God to help me. Come on, make that your prayer today, would you?
to have godly influences in my life. Jesus, I want the spirit of truth to be the thing that illuminates me and my life. God, I want to walk in the ways of everlasting life. I want to walk in the ways of truth, Lord Jesus. God, I don't want to be open to anything that's not of you. Lord, if I'm viewing things that are not of you, I want to know it right away. If I'm hearing voices, God, that are not of you, I want to know it right away. Jesus, I want your spirit to help me. I want your spirit to help me, Lord God, to discern what is true and what's a lie. God, I want to walk in the way of godliness. I want to walk in the way of truth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, help me, God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm encouraging you to listen. Listen to the sound of God's voice. It speaks. It speaks to us if we're listening for it. And I'm not just talking about today. After we leave here and tomorrow and this week, everywhere we go, his voice will speak if I'm listening to it. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you Tuesday night at 7. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>